No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, how was your weekend? It's Monday night, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Daily Boogie Podcast. How are you? Going good? Going good? Keeping yourself busy over there, are you? Okay. Yeah, you not. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gents. Like I said, hope you had a good weekend, because I certainly did. A couple of things going on. A couple of things to touch on. Thank you for joining us. Um... Absolute pleasure to be with you once again. Here at the same time that we're always on, that being 6 p.m. of course. 6 p.m. every other day. Thank you for joining us. Like I said, uh, a lot going on here over the weekend, ladies and gentlemen. A lot going on here. We have some uh, disgruntled, maskless individuals currently making a ruckus, currently stirring people up getting people a little hot out of the collar so we'll check that out and um, I also want to cover if we get time there was a story just before I, I went on the break that didn't actually happen there was no break I was here every day but the the joke that we have that we were on a break uh, there was a story that happened about a month ago regarding James Corden you know him as the eater who starred in the remake of Cats I think you'll find uh, he's also the host of, um, you know, a, a typically average late night show. So he had a little incident. <laughs> he found himself on the wrong side of, you know, the right side of history. And he's been made to answer for his crimes. And because, it, like, it was a month ago and oh, it's it was so hard not to do a whole nother show of lockdown stuff again. Because it, it really is kind of the only thing that's happening here at the moment. So... I promised myself I wouldn't, so I won't. So thank you for joining us, Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie, folks. But of course, we do have to refer to the protests a little bit. Over the weekend, on Saturday, there were a number of protests in Sydney and Melbourne, and thank you to Liz who was tagging me and stuff, because uh, otherwise I wouldn't have seen it. Um, here's, here's such an example, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. This is all fine. Uh, I don't know. I remember 15 months on this show, 16 months ago, something like that. Remember when we first started getting the videos of like people being, you know, you know, police going up and talking to people who were sitting at a park or you remember when they fished that guy out of the ocean? He was the only guy at the beach. He was swimming on his own in the ocean and they kind of chased him out of the water so they could hand him a fine, right? When when stories, there was two guys who got arrested for eating um, pizza. They were just in a parked car eating pizza. It was like, no, that's loitering these days. So I'm afraid he's a fine. And they got arrested. So when all of these stories were taking place, I remember saying to you, it's not going to surprise me if in the future as a direct result of these kinds of, you know, punitive actions. If, um, you know, the main thing that's going to happen is the the level of respect between 
you know, citizens and the police slash authorities is just going to diminish. You know, as more and more people encounter things that, you know, are now kind of pseudo criminal acts that weren't criminal acts before, for example, like sitting in a car and eating a pizza, um, you know, eventually you're going to erode public goodwill. And what else? Fast forward, you know, 15 months later, 16 months later, and this is, you know, these are the streets of Sydney now. You'd be amazed how difficult it was to get like an accurate crowd number. Isn't that funny? Depending on who I'd who I'd ask, it was either like a few hundred idiots or it was like 15,000 people, you know. Every I've asked a lot of people and they've all given me a different number. So I can't tell, you know, thousands. How many thousands? I don't know. Less, definitely less than 10. Ring the bell but probably and get more than your one. cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Ambelina. So that happened on Saturday. As you can imagine, uh, this brought out a whole host of people who were very disappointed with the behaviour of the Sydney Siders on Saturday. Uh, our friend Varun, co-host of the Common Discourse podcast. Thank you for drawing my attention to this. Um, this is a couple of tweets from Sarah Hanson Young, who, if you're not familiar with her, uh, many argue in this country that she's possibly the dumbest politician, but, you know, it's quite the accolade when you think about it. Mr. Fun, give me the diamond. This makes the Minister of Fun very sad. I know. They can't all be good days, I guess. So many argue she's the dumbest politician, but I would say it's so difficult to judge which one is dumbest because they're all kind of really close together. It's like um, I once heard a golfer say, the top 100 golfers in the world are all really, 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 really good. And the only thing that separates them is like inches over a golf course over four days, right? Fractions of a foot, you know, inches away from winning and being the difference between first and 100. So I imagine it's a similar kind of ranking system when we're talking about the dumbest politicians, you know. I imagine that it would be similarly hard to judge because, well, they're all kind of pretty dumb. Um, you know, how can we really tell at this point? Roots Calhoun in the chat, is Dusty from Sydney? No, Dusty's from New Zealand. <laughs> Believe it or not. Foggy, Jackie Lambie could give her a battle for the dumbest. She could, but Jackie's got some good quotes in her from time to time, Fog. I think you'd agree. She's got an entertaining side, and I wouldn't want to give that up for anything. Not these days. So Sarah Hanson-Young um, tweeted out, on June the 5th last year, ladies and gentlemen, when there was a Black Lives Matter protest, which was approved, they were given exemption for this Black Lives Matter protest when they were, when there were also, uh, you know, COVID restrictions in place. And Sarah Hanson-Young on that occasion tweeted out, South Australian police give an exemption to allow Black Lives Matter Australia rally in Adelaide tomorrow to go ahead. Meanwhile, in New South Wales, which is my state, the government is taking its own citizens to court to stop peaceful protests. What the fuck? And then proud and thankful for being a South Australian today. Again, you know, the, the sick joke of all of this is she's from the same state where the senator comes from, the senator who said, anyone who is unvaccinated should be, quote, excluded from public life and banned from leaving their own home. She comes from the same state. 
So Black Lives Matter all the way in 2020. And I remember saying at that time, you know, I'm kind of with the Black Lives Matter protesters on their reasoning for protesting because at the same time they were being told that they're not allowed to protest, but uh, sporting events were being opened up and, you know, 20,000 people were allowed to go to the football. And I was saying, well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with them on that. That's ridiculous. So they have every right to be upset by something like that. But of course, back then, you know, it was cool. It was cool to be on the side of the authorities who were trying to stop people from protesting back then when it was Black Lives Matter doing it, right? And now here we are, you know, who, who would have thought that here we are kind of 15 months later and the shoe is precisely on the other foot. And now all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, this is bullshit. Yeah. So a year ago, so I kind of have a bit of sympathy for it, not really. Uh, South Australian police give an exemption to allow Black Lives Matter rally. Uh, meanwhile, New South Wales government is taking its own citizens to court to stop peaceful protests. Now, yesterday she tweeted out in relation to this um, peaceful protest of maskless individuals. <laughs> in relation to that incident, the footage we just watched, she wrote, and I quote, the selfish idiots who put everybody else's health at risk yesterday did so in an environment where their anti-vax and aggro attitudes against the COVID health response, it's all fucking buzzword, uh, are promoted regularly on Sky News. The Murdoch media again, so we're going, like, this is just the equivalent of your Democrats blaming Fox News for everything. They just do, it's the same playbook in every country you go to. Like, I've often said there are, um, you know, aspects of the left are the same in every single country. And it's shit like this that you can point to and go, oh, there they go again. <laughs> Anti, I love aggro attitudes. Yes, that one was particularly, I was quite fond of that. Their anti-vax and aggro attitudes against COVID health response are promoted regularly on Sky News. The Murdoch media again legitimizing dangerous anti-science whack jobs. Any <laughs> huh? like that? So now we like, you know, now we're all for the authorities you know, throwing people in prison and stopping them from protesting. Now we're all like, we've got to keep, got to keep people safe out there, guys. Anti-science whack jobs. <laughs> Even made international news, believe it or not. CNN, Sydney COVID cases expect to rise after anti-lockdown protests. <laughs> Just like Cuba. Isn't that funny? And the protests last year, no, actually, they made COVID numbers go down, believe it or not. The Black Lives Matter rallies, there was actually less COVID. So, you know, I guess I guess just God is on your side. So that means Christians are going to have to vote for more lockdowns because that's what God wants, clearly. CNN. <laughs> Sydney COVID cases expected to rise after anti-lockdown protests never miss an opportunity. As two charged for allegedly hitting a police horse, ladies and gentlemen. Two men have been charged with animal cruelty for allegedly striking a police horse during anti-lockdown protests in Sydney. There's so much that we could, you know, to sound like a douchebag for a second here. If you want to unpack this just one sentence at a time, there's so much that we could do here. So many layers. Two men have been charged with animal cruelty. Now, I would, I would say, um, you know, animal cruelty for most people 
is probably right up there alongside, you know, like pedophilia and shit. If because when somebody says, oh, he's, you know, he's cruel to animals or there's animal cruelty, then immediately you think of like a psychopath hurting a kitten or something, right? So not that you so obviously I'm not in favor of animal cruelty in case you're an idiot and couldn't figure it out. Uh, two men have been charged with animal cruelty for allegedly striking a police horse. Now, okay, that's fair enough. But if you were the more cynical individual out there, and I wouldn't endorse, I wouldn't endorse you being cynical. But if you were the cynical individual out there and you wanted a quick little, you know, cigarette break lesson on how to spot um, slanted reporting, to put it one way, because uh, I've watched plenty of protests where say guys have thrown marbles under the horses hooves and stuff and people have been arrested and they might have been arrested for quote unquote animal cruelty that's that much is true but depending on who's doing the protesting at the time and maybe what they're protesting about uh two men have been charged with animal cruelty could also be written as two men were charged as a result of the clash with police you see what i mean so keep a little eye out for that because when you see maybe three men were charged in relation to clashes with police, then you could be reading the exact same charge as someone who says three men have been charged with animal cruelty, right? Could be the same guys you're talking about. Thousands of people breached coronavirus measures and marched through the centre of Australia's biggest city on Saturday. Many unmasked and carrying banners. Oh, that's got to be. That's got to be some sort of crime now, doesn't it? I mean, we can't have we can't have people out there unmasked with banners because you know what banners do when you move them around, it really forces the air around. So there would be swirling coronavirus, you know, going over everything. Oh, got to be awful. Be awful. You'd have to send somebody in a hazmat suit and one of those weed spraying bottles to go around and just kind of give them a quick little rinse off before you let them out. I mean, we've got to keep people safe here. Uh, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison called the protests reckless and selfish. Protests also broke out in other major cities, including Melbourne, Adelaide and Brisbane. Let's have a little look here. We want freedom! We want freedom! Reckless and self-defeating. That's how Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison described the thousands of people who marched in anti-lockdown protests in Sydney over the weekend. And, you know, I mean, you know... Man, I was saying to people... The, the suburbs that they're they're carrying out these particular like ramping up of enforcement and stuff it's just it, it was just obvious that something like this was going to happen we were talking about it months ago a couple of weeks ago you you know you can't you're locking people in their own homes and then ramping up like police presence in areas which are traditionally you know quote unquote problematic for policing <laughs> what what do you think they're going to do got to be realistic here and it just seems like every expert that comes out and says something like oh we need to get the military involved and stuff i just think they don't understand the city at all and, you know they live in a very different part of the city and it's all kind of all that's happening out there out there in the west out there in the poor parts you know that doesn't really concern us we just tell them what they need to do and they should do it but it doesn't really work like that for most people you know, when you're getting into week four, week five, week six, and there's no sign of it slowing down, you know, now you're talking about people losing money and stuff. I appreciate 
so many people are like, oh, well, you know, we've got to keep people safe and it's a pandemic and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, okay, you're, you're saving lives. Um, but what, what of those lives once we're all over this? Like once we're through the other, how do you envisage people's lives to be once there is, do you see an end or not? And if they go, yeah, I see an end, you know, we get enough vaccinations and get it down as it, blah, 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 whatever the usual. And it's like, well, okay then. So, you know, what what's the world going to look like at the end of your plan here when you've got unemployment, um, recession-like conditions, interest rates going through the roof, people losing their homes, their businesses, no work, right? What then? Because you might be saving people now, but you might also be dooming them tomorrow. You, you might be taking otherwise healthy people who can earn a living and stuff and dooming them to save people now. So, and I don't think anybody really cares. That's the problem. It's all about short term, short term, short term. I mean, look, here's another story. Australia sees COVID-19 cases climb. Police warn against protest repeat. See, there's a couple of ways that you can look at this, right? Honestly. So the first one is the most obvious one, and we've spoken about it before, where, uh, you know, the absurdity of, oh, we believe everybody has a right to protest. And then saying, oh, okay, good. Can I go down, can I go down to the city and protest? Said, no, of course you can't. There's a lockdown. Oh, okay. But I want to protest. Well, of course, you. everybody's got a right to protest. Can I protest against the lockdown? No, you can't. Unfortunately, there's a lockdown. We can't let you outside. <laughs> right? So the silliness of that. Then the other way of looking at it too is, well, did it really help? Did it really help you? Has it really helped? And, you know, people have to ask that honestly themselves whether or not like it because it depends on what their aims are so did it help anybody achieve any aims or anything maybe i don't know i don't know millions of sydney siders who stayed home they're the ones who are bringing an end to the lockdown sooner <laughs> not those who are at putting themselves <laughs> just two more weeks guys <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it's like cure shit now it's like, no, 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 the end of the lockdown is coming. Okay. <laughs> it's coming, trust me. Trust me. They're all going to go to prison. I, I swear to God. Just two more weeks. Just a little bit longer. Those at risk, those around them at risk, particularly the police at risk. And that was a very selfish Everybody's act. very selfish. Morrison says the protesters, who police say defied social distancing restrictions put in place to try to contain the highly contagious Delta variant... I, I don't know why they send horses in there, man. I don't. Can't be good. Can't be ideal. Like, I appreciate maybe you don't have anyone else around at that time, but look at, look at this shit. Sending horses into the middle of that and just so many threats coming from all directions. I mean, doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> Could actually make the lockdown last longer. Officials in the state of New South... So if you protest the lockdown, we'll keep you in lockdown for longer. <laughs> Trust me, guys, just two more weeks. And the only way out of this is if you comply. Just do what you're told and two more weeks. I swear to God. <laughs>
ten more weeks, you guys. It's, that's not hard. This is a pandemic. We're saving lives here. Come on now. South Wales say the tough measures are working, despite case numbers continuing to rise. The Premier says... This is, this is the other thing that's worth pointing out here. I would say that, you know, and I could be wrong, this is just a theory. Um, the theory is government, not, not only this government, like my state government, but a lot of governments, they've painted themselves into a corner by uh, constantly, you know, allowing themselves to be driven by these like daily case number updates. They've really painted themselves in the corner. Mr. Fun Kimmy with the diamond, if you obey us, we'll stop telling you what to do. Yes. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're told and then we'll never have to fight anymore and then you can do what you want. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying here? They've allowed themselves to be kind of stuck in this, you know, day-to-day reflection on the COVID case numbers and they've allowed themselves to be painted into a corner by it now because they allow the case numbers to drive the conversation. So, you know... For example, like a hundred today there was 114 cases. Oh, we're doing everything we can to bring it down. Tomorrow, 74 cases. Oh, but the day after, 132 cases, right? And they're kind of they you know, they're they're jockeying and jostling and changing tack accord like on a day-to-day basis. Because they've allowed themselves to be, you know, ruled by the case numbers. Because, you know, even though it's never ideal, obviously, to lose a loved one. But there have been like four or five deaths, something in that region, something around that. Don't quote me on it. But around that number. So you then have to wonder, well, why why are we referring to the case numbers instead of the fatalities? Because isn't the fatality the thing that we're all trying to avoid most of all? So you would think that would be the most important statistic. But incredibly, it's not. You know, perhaps surprise. You might be amazed, but instead, the statistic that's constantly referred to is the case number. And with that, you know, the corporate press have the politicians by the fucking balls, man. Because every day they'll just come out and say, 130 cases, what now? What are you going to do now, huh? You know. The mayor today seemed to dismiss latest case numbers as they continue to rise pressure mounts on his administration, right? This shit writes itself. And once you start getting into, oh, we need to talk about the cases, get the cases down because it's all cases, 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 then all of a sudden that's all you can do now. So now the politicians are kind of slaves to their own dogma. You know, now the press won't allow them to lift restrictions before numbers get to unsustainably low levels. Because there'll always be another spike. There'll always be another cluster. And, you know, I'll pose the question that I posed before. Okay, you want to get to the end of it. So does everybody else. What does society look like for you at the end? How much are you willing to give up? How much are you willing to give away? It's a legitimate question that no one's asking, and you have to ask why no one's asking it. Wales say the tough measures are working, despite yeah. case numbers continuing to rise. The Premier says... With- <laughs> See what I mean? 
See what I mean? They say it's working, even though case numbers are rising. So I guess it's not working because the case numbers are going up. Right. Down lasts longer. Officials in the state of New South Wales say the tough measures are working, despite case numbers continuing to rise. The Premier says without them, new infections would be through the roof. Uh, that type of surge, exactly what the city of Hanoi... Ca- yeah, OK, that's great. Hanoi. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the relevant comparison there this, with the city of Hanoi, ladies and gentlemen. Hanoi versus Sydney. Who comes out on top? Well, I don't know. Maybe it'll be the country that doesn't allow people to sell rat kebabs on the side of a fucking shitty sewer riddle street, you know? Maybe it won't be them. (laughs) I know. Let's compare Sydney to the toilet of Southeast Asia. Kitty lover with a diamond, all for a virus that has a 99 plus recovery. No, it's killing everybody. That's, That's misinformation. And I'm glad you shared that obvious misinformation with us because I've got good news. We're tackling misinformation as well, ladies and gentlemen. We're tackling the virus. We're tackling peaceful protest. Got to get rid of that. <laughs> it's too it's too risky. Um, we've got to get rid of all of these things. And now we can get rid of digital misinformation, ladies and gentlemen. Have a look at this. You're going to love this. Social media companies have been clamping down in Australia on misinformation being spread about COVID vaccines, <laughs> treatments and the virus. Mm. But government MP George Christensen has this. sparked anger after labelling the vaccine campaign coercion. <laughs> so George Christensen, he's, he's kind of this, um, I don't know, I guess... Foggy, would you call him a little bit, I guess, boomer alt-right, if that's a thing? I guess he's a little bit boomer alt-right, if that makes any sense. He's from, like, the country area in Queensland, which is, you know, between them and WA, our, you know, our two most rednecky states. I love Queensland, by the way. Love <laughs> Get on really well there. Um, so he's from up there. But just, like, again, listen to the absurdity of this. Look at the situation you're being presented with. Everyday normal actions are now deemed criminal actions. People are getting arrested and shit. Stay in your home. It's all terrible. Uh, Peter Overton here, the newsreader, just very casually announces to the audience, the Australian government has been working with social media companies to tackle misinformation online. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then he just kind of moves on. I was like, hang on, shouldn't we know more about that first thing? I want to know more about the first thing that he said. How, how exactly is the government working with the social media companies in order to clamp down? Clamp down, was that the term? I wonder if that was the term. Social media companies have been clamping down in Australia. Clamping down. <laughs> shouldn't, we dis- shouldn't we discuss this clamping down issue first, perhaps? No, 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 no. No, no. We'll move on because, you know, the real outrage about this story is a senator from Queensland saying that this is like coercion. (laughs) He's he's the real target for your ire here today, ladies and gents. This senator who thinks that you're being forced to adopt a certain view. We discovered this during our recent expose on how the government is working with social media to clamp down on misinformation. (laughs) How do you like that? 
Australia on misinformation the being spread. The, the hide. <laughs> I'd, I'd, if I was wearing a hat, I'd tip it. ...about COVID vaccines, treatments yep. and the virus. Okay. But government MP George Christensen yes. has sparked anger, anger after labelling the vaccine campaign coercion. Did he really? How awful. In the battle against a virus, a war on misinformation is being fought on... <laughs> See, that's the real outrage. The real outrage isn't the war on misinformation and the government clamping down on social... That's not the real outrage. The real outrage was what this, this fucking senator said. Oh, they're coercing us. Because you're really proving him wrong. <laughs> just... So ridiculous. I, I don't know. It's 20, 2021 is, is a, it's going to be special, I think. Online and on the streets. In Queensland, Nationals MP George Christensen protested lockdowns and public health orders. And we should not comply. The government backbencher was not talking up the vaccine rollout. How, how dare he not talk up the rollout? You, you, can, you can hear the rage in his voice. The, the, the backbencher from Queensland wasn't even praising the rollout. Wasn't praising the vaccine. <gasps> you don't say. How awful this must be for you. <laughs> Just imagine, folks. It's bizarre. We've achieved peak vaccination rates in this country because of all the coercion. And had a warning of his own. Civil disobedience is going to have to be done. Because I yeah. see... That day coming very, very soon, very, very quickly. Again, I find it hard to be upset by this. Civil disobedience, he said, civil disobedience, I see that day coming very, very soon and very, very quickly. Okay, I, you know, I've I've seen people quoting um, far-left anarchist handbooks to say shit like become ungovernable and stuff. A again, it's just... If we cared about civil disobedience all the time, then I might care. Right? But you don't. You only care when you can make, you can score political points off it. So I don't care now. I don't care. And there's nothing I can do. I'm not doing it. I'm not encouraging it. This, this show isn't about, you know, changing things. This show is just about cataloguing the slow degradation of society until there's nothing left in the hope that... 100 years from now, heroin junkies who are hooked on retro wearing Nirvana shirts will someday come across this show on a USB stick in like a $5 record, antique record type place, go home, put it in the computer and hear it and go, fuck, listen to this guy. That's all we're doing this for. We're cataloging, we're cataloging the downfall of society for that one Nirvana shirt wearing heroin junkie and that's it. That's what we're here to do. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. We're cracking down. All right. With that, I'm going to take a quick five-minute break. When we return, I do want to get into this James Corden thing. Uh, James Corden thing. <sighs> because there's there's something you need to consider here when we're talking about like multiculturalism and stuff. And I've I've long had this theory that if you go after food. The day they turn on food, the day they try to make food an act of racism as well, that will be the end of like multiculturalism as we know it. That's my theory and I'm sticking with it. So stick with us and you can hear more right after this. See you soon.
Ni hawa boogie. This is a frozen Asian, and uh, I heard about uh, what you said about uh, China, and uh, well, uh, you are guaylo. Yeah, you are guaylo. Stop being guaylo. Aloha, and welcome to Pirate Radio, Ladies of Liberty, the hot seat. Or maybe this is my daily traffic report. I don't know. As you can tell, I, I seem to have a problem with commitment to one type of platform. I, I think doctors refer to that as uh, ADD. Uh, but anyways, if you want to follow any of those shows, you want to catch me live every single day of the week, you can follow me at Real Person Politics. That's Real Person P-L-T-C-S. Aloha. Another ain't no rest for the wicked Until we close our eyes for good You gave him a loaded shotgun? Well, you don't give a toy without batteries. Come and get your Tootsie Rolls. It's Irrational Times. Original music. Interactive trivia. Games. Guests. VHS record. Adult Learning Center. Window repair. Flight trainer. Kosher catering. And now introducing the lovely assistant. I do gym jobs. And here, I use only the finest jib to combine with an organic jab to produce the highest quality jib jabs. Don't be fooled by those imitation jib jabs made in Chinese sweatshops. Enjoy fair trade jib jabs made locally here in Canada. Due to the outcome of a previous court case, the lovely assistant is prohibited from jib jabbing outside of Canada. I mean, let's, I mean, if we're going to go full public, full transparency, let's see all of it because I guarantee you what the Democrats were doing was criminal, Im impeachable activities routinely. Hey, where are the llamas like to be petted? You know, I'm going to be real honest. I don't think you look very nice. Mm. This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Got You, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. More I don't this world can get you down. There's one thing you can do. And shake it all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how to boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie bumper tonight. Come Second half of the show, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for joining us. Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Yeah, so we're gonna get into this James Corden thing. Because like I said, man, I just missed out. This just happened like when I took the break that didn't really happen because I was here every single night, as you know. Um, so this happened just at that time. And like I said, I've had this, I've long had this theory because let me, let me go into it a little more for you. This theory that once food becomes a target of, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever the movement is, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, whatever name you want to put on it. You know, the, whatever whatever target draws our offense at this particular time, okay? I've always said once food becomes that, 
then multiculturalism as a concept, as what we understand it, as what normal average people understand it to be, ceases to exist. And the reason for that is whenever you ask somebody who claims to be very, I'm pro-multiculturalism, a lot of people say these things, they don't even really know what they're referring to. They think they do because they're referring to something that they imagine it to be when, you know, that's often not the case. So you'll ask them, you know, well, what do you think of multiculturalism? They go, oh, well, it's very good. And I'm like, okay, what do you like about it? And nine times out of 10, I have tested this theory. Nine times out of 10, at least the first thing and often the only thing that the person will refer to is food, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not even joking. It's just something, a little, little envelope, a little wormhole in society that I discovered. So it's like, you know, I really love multiculturalism because there's a great Indian restaurant down the road that I love. Right? Oh, I really love, you know, the Italian restaurants and the cafes and the French coffees and the baguettes, right? They, they refer to food because it's what they imagine multiculturalism to be. So, of course, with that metric, that means that should food, you know, become taboo in the multiculturalist universe, then multiculturalism as a concept, as they know it, ceases to exist. See how this works? So James Corden is now, you know, at the tip of the spear when it comes to this little fight, this little <laughs> this little food fight. If you don't know who James Corden is, like I said, he's the eater who hosts the late night show and was also in Cats. Uh, this is him from last year. Just a quick little refresher for you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I'll see, see you in hell. Here's a quick little refresher for you. From last year, ladies Third and gentlemen. Thing you can do to help right now. Is James. James, hi. Hi, I James. Have some great news. Great news. I, so, hi, Olivia. Sorry to everyone watching at home. This is Olivia. Mm. Olivia is a writer on the show. Hi, We're Olivia. actually taping the show right now, Olivia. We're just doing... Yeah. We're just doing three things you can do to help at the moment. I mean, so. it's just so random. It's really random. They really wanted Ricky Gervais for this job, but instead they got me. And I'm about as close as you can get. Well, right in, I on, know. On, on, that, on this budget. That's the great news. You have an amazing tool to help fight structural <laughs> racism. You're right. I have my celebrity. <laughs> Look at that face. So this is a conversation between, um, you know, our hero here and one of his writers, I think, talking about his opportunity to, you know, become more of a more of a social justice activist, uh, you know, promote racial awareness. Whatever. I didn't I don't know. I'm aware of other races. How how aware am I supposed to be exactly? Because I know they exist. I, I generally know where they are in the world. Right, I know other things too. Statistics, but <laughs> I know some stats. I got it covered. I got it down. So what else? What else do I need to be aware of exactly? Oh, you see, you need to be aware of how bad yours is. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, I should have. I should have saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. No. My platform. Yes. Oh, God, no. Nobody actually no. watches this show. It yeah. plays in rooms where people have fallen asleep. Yep. That's... What, well, you, well, tell me, what do you mean? What, what tools do I have? 
Okay. Actually, the so tool that you out. have is so powerful. Oh, you're probably not even it. aware of it. Get to the tool already. Is it? Show us his tool for fuck's sake. My, oh, there's no, I don't, I don't, I don't want this to come out as arrogant. Is it, is it my charisma? Oh my God, I can't. I can't. I'm trying to get to the good bit, mate. You're making it fucking hard. I'm happy you brought that up. One of the biggest misconceptions about privilege is that... Here we go. <laughs> in a wealthy home, do you know what I mean? We used to go camping yeah. in Bournemouth. You know, I'm not privileged in any way. No. So he's teaching I'm the audience so about white privilege. That up. One yeah. of the biggest misconceptions about privilege is that saying you have it is saying you have an easy life uh, or that you had it easy growing up. Right. It doesn't mean that. No. What privilege does mean, specifically yeah. white privilege, is yeah. that your skin color didn't make your life more challenging. Right. <laughs> okay. We're on top of this. So that was him a year ago. You can you can kind of see the kind of celebrity he is. That being just like all the other ones. Nothing remarkable. Nothing remarkable. Brutes Calhoun wanders in just, you know, a little bit after he starts and says, this is old, ain't it? Or did they do it again? <laughs> you know, context. We're just playing it for some context. James Corden Truth or Dare food segment criticised for being, ladies and gentlemen, culturally insensitive. Yes, come on. You know what that means. We are one step closer to food being taboo and thus the concept of multiculturalism disappearing forever. One step closer. Because, I mean, he's got this platform to talk about white privilege, ladies and gentlemen. Think of the privilege. His life's never been harder because of his race. He's not even racially aware. TV host James Corden is facing backlash, a good backlash, over a segment of his popular late-night show that ha some have de some have deemed culturally insensitive. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Because food is food is offensive now, you see. A petition has been started that calls for an end to the use of culturally significant food. <laughs> Culture, who just, okay, come on, who's going to decide which food is culturally significant, end quote. <laughs> I mean, it all comes out like shit at the end, doesn't it? It all comes out the same colour, mate. <laughs> culturally significant food. Because that's just the precursor to only me and only me and my ancestors can eat at this food. Right? This is just for me, you cannot have. And that's usually when I say, well, fuck you, mate. I'm going to go home and make it myself. What are you going to do about it? Go go shit in your hat, mate. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. During the spill your, your uh, what is it? Spill your guts or fill your guts portion of the show, Corden asks celebrities personal or uncomfortable questions. They have to either answer the questions or eat whatever unsavory dishes sit before them. Frequently, the disgusting foods are the ones that are traditional dishes in Asian cultures prepared in an unappetizing way. So can we even say unappetizing here? Excuse me, reporter. I think we may be being a little cultural, cultural insensitivity here going on in the pages of The Hill. It's very problematic. 
Past episodes have included Baloo, a boiled bird embryo traditional in Filipino culture. See, that's fucking off, mate. <laughs> that's off. There's no way. You couldn't pay me to eat that shit. You'll, you'll never shame people into saying that something isn't disgusting in food. Hey, you're, 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 fucking, you're happy to open five million Chinese restaurants in every fucking Western country. But then the first time a Westerner on TV says, God, that looks like dog shit, you go, um, excuse me, racism. Fuck off. Fuck out. Get the fuck out of here. Bye-bye now. <laughs> That's just so dumb. Past episodes. Oh, we did that already. All right, let's see some of the influencers here because this is really what the story... The real winners in all of this are the influencers who gained noticeable amounts of new followers on TikTok and Instagram. They're the real winners out of this, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a look. See what they got for us. Okay, she's pressuring James Corden to cancel his segment. Kim Sara says the segment is culturally offensive. <laughs> a petition in June calling on Corden to change or remove it. So far, the position, uh, the petition, pardon me, has gotten at how Asian hate has been increasing this year and last year. I just thought it would have been the right decision to try to pull the plug on this segment or- Who the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck is you? Did you hear that? Do you hear the, you know, it's not a meme. The levels of entitlement are so thick. You couldn't, you couldn't carve through them. I just feel it was the right decision to pull the thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, and you are. <laughs> that's that's when you call the you know that's when you call the production company and say, "Excuse me, I think we need to pull this segment because of all the anti-Asian uh, hatred." And that's when the person on the other end of the phone says, "Who the fuck are you? And why? How did you get this number?" End of discussion. But n- now these people think you know these TikTok influencers and stuff. I just think it was a good idea. Uh, I just think, you know, I made the call. <laughs> I'm deciding. Oh, okay. Fucking balls. Looking at how Asian hate has been increasing this year and last year, yeah. I just thought it would have been the right decision to try to pull the plug on this segment or entirely <laughs> change it. But then you should apply to become a writer for the show. You'll probably get a job. All of their writers fucking stink. It's not a high bar to mark uh, to reach. It's not a high water mark. You'll be fine. Answer a personal question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Oh, so she's going to talk about this fucking disgusting. One can only imagine horrifying dish. Where was it? What was it like? A raw fucking bird embryo or some shit. Something just completely fucking foul. Now she's she's about to say, well, because I love this food, it's racist for you to say it's disgusting. Fucking look at this. On the segment was balut, and balut is a Filipino food that I've grown up eating it with my grand. Fucking good for you. Uh, it's a dish that I've grown up eating with my grandma and my cousins. Who gives a fuck? Nobody cares. It's filthy. (laughs) You might have grown up eating it. Good for you. I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't eat it to save my life. They could put a gun in my mouth instead and I'd say, this is delicious. Thank you, sir. 
fuck that. <laughs> and and me saying that this is a disgusting, like this is a filthy, disgusting thing that I would never eat, that's not racism. It's called having taste buds that aren't punished. <laughs> and here we are, ladies and gentlemen. This is how it starts, you see, because you see, because only somebody of a particular cultural heritage could really understand the significance of this dish that I used to have with my grandma. Right? Only somebody of a particular skin colour and a particular cultural heritage could truly appreciate just what a remarkable dish this is. Therefore, the rest of you shouldn't even be eating it. You shouldn't even talk about it. How dare you, right? This is how it starts. Next thing you know, we'll be sh Next thing you know, you'll have to be a Chinese person if you're going to cook Chinese food, Indian if you're going to cook Indian food, right? And then next thing you know, multiculturalism disappears forever. Let's have a look here. Got another one here. Fucking sick of it. I'm fucking sick of it. Thousand-year-old egg, which I don't even know how that's possible. Egg, blood, curd, and a baloo, which I don't even know really what that is. Wow, it all looks so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> look, this person's really offended. They're calling Asian food disgusting on live TV. How dare they? How dare they? No, 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 no. You're supposed to you're supposed to pretend like a fucking rotted bird embryo is delicious just so you don't offend the person who was forced to eat it from birth by their fucking grandmother. <laughs> we we wouldn't want to upset that obviously very stable person. We wouldn't want to upset that person who takes it upon themselves to call the production studio and say, "Listen, I want to make a few changes to your program." <laughs> We, sh we should tread very carefully. We should do our best to not offend that clearly rational, well-balanced person, that well-balanced individual. Who knows? We wouldn't want to upset them. Uh, here she is reacting to James Corden being called out for his show's culturally insensitive segment. <laughs> the same foodie culture prizes... Um, you know, flavors that have been developed over centuries. Chinese food has literally been developed over centuries. Like one of the oldest cultures. These are flavors that mm. were around like 300, 400, 500 years ago. Yes, but it's, it's a fucking rotted bird in a shell. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rotten. It's foul. It's disgusting. It's, it's, it's garbage. You're eating garbage. Like, it's not even good enough to put in sausages or something. You couldn't even just grind it up and put it in a mince. It's too disgusting. Just go straight in the bin. <laughs> oh, but it's like 500 years old. Who cares? It's disgusting. He's like one of the oldest cultures. These are flavors. Lady Fritzator says old doesn't always mean wise. Yeah, I know. So we're allowed, we're, we're, we're being forced to like disgusting rotten bird embryos because they're 500 years old but if you're talking about something from Europe say 2,000 years old oh pff, bro don't be ridiculous nobody nobody cares what was going on 2,000 years ago don't be an idiot <laughs> but we've been eating this filthy fucking disgusting bird carcass <laughs> raw for the last 500 years it must be good oh okay 
rivers that were around like 300, 400, 500 years ago, but somehow we don't get into that food culture no. trendiness. Good. Um, Thank God, because the restaurant industry, do, do, press one in the chat if you think that people who run a restaurant are looking, you know, are happy for people to cancel chefs and menus and you know stuff like that because of racism press one in the chat if you think they'd be happy about that press two in the chat if you think anybody who works in like food service or in a restaurant or in a bar slash kitchen or whatever press two in the chat if you want all if they want all of these people to shut the fuck up what do you think um i'll give you a guess it's not it's not one Chefs like chefs go to you know training and shit to learn how to make fucking Japanese cuisine. He's like a white guy from Sydney. He wants to open up his own Japanese restaurant, and then somebody knocks on the door and says, "Shut it down! You're you're appropriating my significant dishes." <laughs> you, you'd stab him in the face with a fucking uh, with a fucking chopstick. Get out of here! Fuck off! Get off my property! You fucking asshole! <laughs> Uh, actually, we think you should shut this down because I don't think you even have any Chinese family. Who's who's going to culturally shame you into producing what we want to see here? Gypsy of Diamonds with the diamond. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Thank you for joining us, Gypsy. So... He, he apologised. He said, you know what? Because I am the spokesman of white privilege here in the modern age, uh, I better do the right thing. I better stop being offensive. And so he, he stepped down. He said, look, we're going to make some adjustments around here. I'm so, I'm so sorry I upset this fucking no-name TikTok influencer who happened to have some, you know, <laughs> who happened to have some production ideas for the show, which we're now adopting, by the way. So, James Corden to change Spill Your Guts segment after being called racist. This is in the Huffington Post. <laughs> James Corden said he's going to tweak his late night show's controversial segment, Spill Your Guts or Fill Your Guts, after recent criticism that it mocked Asian food by calling some dishes really disgusting and horrific. You're not even allowed to say that something's disgusting anymore. You're not allowed to say that a plate of food in front of you is disgusting. <laughs> no. No. Shut your mouth, smile, and eat it, you racist. <laughs> hey, hey, why don't you eat this raw bull's penis to prove you're not a racist? Why don't you eat this fucking raw dead bird carcass <laughs> that's been stewing in cow shit for a week? Why don't you eat this to prove you're not a racist? Oh, please. I can't wait to show everybody what a nice guy I am. I hope I don't lose too many points on the vomit, though, because that would be very embarrassing. We heard that story, and the next time we do that bit, we absolutely won't involve or use any of those foods, said Corden42. Our show is a show about joy and light and love. <laughs> we don't want to make a show to upset anybody. Well... I mean, I guess if the plan is to not upset people, press one in the chat if you think that, you know, the fans of James Corden are now happy and they're satisfied with this move to not show those foods. Press one in the chat if you think that they're happy that he's trying to not upset people. 
Press two in the chat if you think they're still angry. What do you think? One in the chat for, okay, James, we love you. Back to work. Press two in the chat for, no, that's not good enough, I'm afraid. ones, which is surprising. I'm very surprised by the ones. I thought you would have known me better than that by now. Very happy to see the twos. You better, you're fucking damn right it's a two. (laughs) You're damn right it's a two. James Corden protesters aren't satisfied with him changing the Spill Your Guts segment. (laughs) It looks like we've got some more production tips for James. He's listening. He cares. When is a controversy done being a controversy? That's the question now for thousands of online critics and late night host James Corden. At issue, his occasional segment, Spill Your Guts or Fill Your Guts, which has been called racist for its use of some traditional Asian foods in its recurring hit parade of edibles. Kim Sara, a Filipina Japanese, uh, Filipina Chinese, pardon me, social media influencer, started a change.org petition. Uh, on June 8, a day after posting a TikTok video that went viral. It went viral. People really want to know what unknown people say on TikTok about what is racist and what isn't. However, it turns out the protest was already successful in one of its goals more than a week before it was held. Corden told Howard Stern that he had heard of the complaints and in the future would not use any foods in question. Uh, The next time we do it, blah, 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 the same way... Corden also said that as a matter of policy, he didn't read much or engage with anyone regarding his show. But that answer wasn't enough for Sarah. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? Sarah, the TikTok influencer, is not satisfied with that. She says, and I quote, This statement is a non-apology as he does not actually address that the cultural insensitivities of having the food on his show and the harm that this perpetuates on Asians Oh, pardon me, I don't have the thing up. There you go. Look. James Corden, protesters aren't satisfied with him changing the Spill Your Guts segment. But that answer wasn't enough for Sarah, who is still holding out for a public mea culpa to be broadcast on The Late Show. This statement is a non-apology as he does not actually address that the cultural insensitive... <laughs> it's so hard to get it out, man. ...of having the food on his show and the harm that... The harm. He's perpetuating harm on Asians, ladies and gentlemen. That perpetuates harm on Asians. Who's, like, how many, how many skinhead rednecks do they think are watching James fucking Corden? Serious question. Are you saying James Corden is particularly popular with the neo-Nazi audience? Is that what you're saying? Like, like, do you think people are watching James Corden for just another excuse to beat up an Asian man in a in a noodle house? <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? Who do you think's watching James Corden? It's self-righteous, um, you know, it's self-righteous projecting, you know. It's self-righteous projecting stereotypically egocentric assholes like you. Like you, the person, the kind of person who would get in touch with the studio and start telling them what they should do. Like you, the kind of person who would start a petition 
saying that you know somebody else calling a, a certain dish disgusting is harming people. You're the, you're the audience. <laughs> it's not the racists. The racists don't like James Corden. I don't know what to tell you. Um, this means we must keep going because <clears throat> you see, you see, ladies and gentlemen, the fight never ends, does it? The war never ends. Progress never ends. There is no end to progress. The day the progressives get to a point where they say we've done enough progress, then they become conservatives that day. And there'll always be somebody saying, actually, I think we can progress a little bit more than this. So eventually they'll they'll think they've had all the progress they can take and they'll well we would have banned anybody eating any other culturally significant foods by then. And then they say, okay, this is enough progress for me. I'm going to jump off and now we've got to conserve everything the way it is because we're the new conservatives now. And, the you know, the progressives of that day will then say, no, everybody needs to eat baked beans and only baked beans that served in plain tin cans. And you must be careful opening it because we'll only allocate you one can opener every 10 years. That's all you'll get. Oh, okay. Can't we do the ring pull? No, that's going to cost an extra two cents a hit. We can't afford it. So maybe then they'll have enough progress. And then I'll say, all right, we're just going to keep this the way it is. And then there'll be another progressive who says, no, I think we should ban the tin cans altogether. We've got to keep people safe. She said, and I quote, this just means we must keep going until the Late Show releases a public apology on air. There you go. And then that'll make all of the progress stop and everything will be all better once again. With that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Don't forget to follow our friends. They'll be on later on tonight, a whole bunch of them. Uh, I'll be back later in the week. So until then, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.